Thank you, Father, for the grace that you give me for this day. Abba Yahweh, your truth, knowledge, and wisdom that I share. It is your business that this is about, Father God. To exalt you, praise you, glorify you, not by any means to elevate myself. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be your conduit and your blessings come to me that I share with others and that blessing. Ah, Father, you just fill constantly. Thank you. God works that way. When he utilizes us to bless others, the blessings that we're bestowing rubs off on us and we are blessed and, I, and that happens continually. And to some, it might sound like I'm bragging, but that's what goes with me. And I just get this feeling of elation when I bless. But here's the thing. I used to think that very thing of Paul. I thought, man, but here's the thing that I learned about Paul. Paul was speaking truth, absolute truth. If it's happening in him, and it's because of something that he's doing that God has instructed him to do, then emulate him. Be like him. You don't have to do exactly what he's doing, but if he's doing certain actions and being prayerful and mindful, what's the problem? You want to be like everybody else in the face of this planet that that uh, disrespect and act out and act stupid. You got these youngsters that are running around wanting to be all thug and because they see those. What's the problem here? You want to do that. You want to act that certain way and disrespect people because you see that the, athlete, the pro, supposed professional athletes go out and do that. You will emulate them, but you won't emulate a man of God or Jesus himself, which is, we are told to show out that thing that is within. And what is that thing within? Kindness, compassion, grace, mercy, love, truth, knowledge and wisdom that comes from God that he's instilled in us. Can't show that out, but we'll definitely show out <laughs> that other garbage Ah, uh, it is broken, but God, oh, God bless us still mightily. I'm going to share something directly from the reading from one of my mentors um, this morning, and, and I really, really like it, and it's just exactly it. So there are many that think that these times are troubled and perilous, and and I've shared with you that I have a an acquaintance, a friend, and um, I'm, I'm learning more and more, I believe, a self-proclaimed. Um, but he gets really rattled about things, especially about politics, and, and um, then the sewage begins to spew. And then, you know, the little modern phrases that are used, oh, pardon my French, oh, pardon my French, but then it keeps continuing, continuing, and continuing. It's not okay, but here's the thing. I pray for him. 
every day, just like I pray for all my other brothers and sisters, because he's he's taking steps, and some people the steps are little shorter than others, and takes a little longer to get up the staircase, and that's okay. I love him, his brother, and he's been kind and gracious in need. And I appreciate that greatly. So I pray for him. And this is what we do. We can't just gripe about the politicians. But here's the thing. I'm going to read this directly that was in my mentor's reading. And, and, and we think that things are troubled and troubling here. And in this time, let's take a look at Daniel. Daniel is a, uh, is a great prophet of God. And you're going to notice that when I speak about people, I don't say was in the past tense because they are. They're in heaven. They're with God. God is alive. Jesus is alive. The Holy Spirit is alive. My loved ones that passed away and went on before, they're alive in heaven if they were believers. They're in heaven, so there is no was, there is. The only was was on this plane of existence, but they're not on this plane of existence anymore. <clears throat> so Daniel is a... I don't know if... He, well, there's not a need for him to prophesy in heaven, but he was a great prophet that God utilized, um, gave him an, him an interpretation for dreams, which he used and became a very, you notice these twisted things here. Joseph was buried in a hole. His father, Jacob, later named Israel, was told that he was killed and took that coat of many colors that he made for Joseph and, and showed it to him and it was ripped and torn and covered with blood. Jacob's heart was broken. But he ultimately was put in a hole and sold into bondage. And that bondage, and here's the thing, remember, it's in our adoption letter. Believe that verse is Romans eight thirty-four. <clears throat> I'm gonna flip over there right quick. Uh, bear with me. I'm heading to Romans. The book of Romans. <laughs> Our adoption letter. And if we go there, we will see. Oh, well, it's not Romans 8.34. I'm sorry, it was Roman. Gave you the wrong verse, and I do humbly apologize. But it speaks to fear. And that we are not given to fear. There is no reason to fear. <clears throat> I do apologize, but it, is, it was the wrong verse that I gave you. I was so excited. But here's the thing that is in Romans 8.34, and there is a reason, I guess, that, that, that came out as quickly as it did. Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So the important thing that we have to remember in this troubling time and days that we have, we're not being condemned of the Father, of the Son, who came to ultimately rescue us, redeem us from all the things that are going around, and who shall separate us from the love of Christ. So tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or even sword. Brothers and sisters, we do not have any reason to fear. The only thing that we have to fear, and not even him, is fear himself. Yes, fear is a liar. Fear is a pseudonym, another name for the devil, Satan, Lucifer, Beelzebub, um, Makal, whatever that other names that are given to him. He has many. But he is a liar, and it's all false evidence appearing real, but intensified so much that we believe it to be so. And Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Anzariah, they were all taken into captivity when Babylon was allowed to invade Israel. And they did that because Israel had completely turned the back on God had completely given up, very select few, and they were worshiping pagan gods and idols, pardon me. Is that not happening in this country now and we wonder what's going on here? Has anyone ever really taken the time to recite the Pledge of Allegiance or read about it um, and what it was what it was stated and it was possibly the reason that it was written that way? And when I took my oath. when I went into the service, when I first went into service to this country. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands. That's got nothing to do with political party. This country is a democratic republic. That's what this country is. And then you have those individuals that try to convince others to be a Democrat or a Republican, and party line doesn't even matter. And then I actually <clears throat> remember when all this stuff was going on with Joseph and, uh, and uh, Donald Trump and the election, all this, that people were praying for a side. Remember that when Joseph was going into the Valley of Jericho, <clears throat> Christ was actually standing on the path and was opposing him and had his sword drawn. Wasn't going to fight him or anything, but he was just, is a warrior. He's a captain of the host of heaven. And when Joseph asked him what side he was on, he simply replied, nay. 
the captain of the hosts of heaven take no side except for that of righteousness. Joshua immediately knew that he was in the presence of Lord Jesus, threw himself down on the ground, removed his sandals, and knew that he was on holy ground. And that is a term and a reference that Jesus has been called the captain of the hosts of heaven, the Lord of the hosts of heaven, bread of life, our meat, our portion. Those references relating back to Bethlehem. But the thing of it is, is that they're praying for a side to take on. God doesn't take a side except for that of righteousness and holiness and straight up and straightforward, period. You can pray for their strength and we do that thing so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Where are we at here? We're in First Timothy, I believe it is in his first letter, Timothy chapter two. Turmoil and things that are going on. I exhort you, I lift you up. Therefore that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Supplications, um, entreaties to God. Mm, some would say begging, but you don't ever have to beg for God. You just go to God boldly, upright, courageously, not arrogantly, and say, Father, you promised this. I would like that promise. I would like to see manifestation of that word. That's bold. It's not arrogant. You don't come up and say, hey, God, you said this. I haven't seen it yet. Show me. Don't be Missourian. <laughs> That's her motto, by the way. I lived in Missouri for quite a long time, and <laughs> they call it the show me state. But anyway, you boldly go in supplications and intercessory prayers, you praying for others on their behalf to the Lord God. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry about that. But continuing, chapter 2, verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority. Remember, Bible speak kings, presidents, princes, regents, governors, and mayors. That's Bible speak for those folks. Although there are countries that have kings. That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. So that's why I'm about my father's business. That's why each and every one of you that claim to be a Christian need to be acting like a Christian in prayer and in God's way and his timing and his word and his truth, his knowledge and wisdom, sharing that, doing what God asks us to do. And it says that God will have all men to be saved. He's not going to make that happen. He's going to want that we do his business and share that word and remember God has given us a choice, a free will choice. He doesn't want robots. He wants his children to love him and be his children. And he will be their father. 
And remember, brothers and sisters, that thing, that, that Pledge of Allegiance that we may or may not even remember. They don't even use it. And they used to, I remember the time when in this, in this leadership that the first thing that they would do, the beginning of the day before anything went into session, they would have a pastoral prayer. And then the Pledge of Allegiance, and then they'd go into session. They don't even use the, the Bible anymore for much of anything. This nation has turned its back on God in so many ways. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. When you walk with God and you face God and you go through the things with God and believe in God and have faith in God that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, then you are not condemning yourself to hell. Just like John 3.16, you have the twisted perverts that will say that, that we've been teaching it wrong all the time and he's going to rewrite it and start teaching. Well, he's going to lead you into false teachings and doctrines probably with the rest of the Bible as well. So be cautious of these individuals. <clears throat> Pardon me. They claim to be pastors. And remember that Jesus himself said, there will come many in my name, but be careful not to be deceived because they will claim to be a man of God and that they're anointed of God. But they take the Bible out of context. They take the verses out of context as pervert, twisted. John three sixteen. he said, we've been teaching it wrong the whole time that God condemns you to hell unless you accept that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. That's not what the scripture says at all. If we believe, and he, it's a free will choice. If you choose not to believe, then you condemn yourself. It's just like, what? Somebody's now forcing these thieves and thugs and all those that are doing this stuff repeatedly and going to jail all the time. Somebody's forcing them to be that way? No. Although they use the excuse that there is. We are in troubled times. We are in troubling times. But the thing that we have to hold on to is that golden rope, that golden cord. This is why, I, this is what I think that God brought me this thing I, I shared with you before this um the podcast is that that symbol that was not where it was when I was first looking at how to begin doing this <clears throat> and I asked God and if it would be something that he would condone and he would think that it would be a way that I could get his word out farther and better if it would be a good thing and he that this symbol was not on the computer page when I looked the first time. Purple denoting royalty in many places. Purple is a sign of royalty. And then there's a the kind of a goal, it's a squiggle line, but it's our golden rope. The golden rope that is attached to our anchor, which is Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, which takes us into heaven. 
And when we get in trouble times, you're holding on that, that anchor rope and you start tugging on it a little to pull yourself closer. And what's it do? It takes you right through the word of God. His truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom. Wow. <clears throat> so back to what I said in the beginning. <clears throat> I know I get carried away with the word of God. I can't, I can't be helped. I don't want to help it. I won't try to stop it. I will not quench his spirit when it's in me. I can't. So my mentor, <coughs> pardon me, I had an opportunity and I went to, uh, wow, what, what a guy. I went to a, a live with him and it's, it's, it was beautiful. But here is what he is saying. I love this and it's so applicable. Dear Lord, the times are in your hands and so are we. You warned that perilous times would come in the last days, but you also told us the last days would prepare for the return of Christ. We're apt to be troubled by politics, upset by elections, and wary of rulers, but you, O Lord, direct the affairs of history. And if the prophet Daniel could praise you in Babylon, we can praise you in our modern world. Thank you for being on your throne. The rulers of this world with their power and pride are no match for your sovereign rule. Yahweh, amen. Eshuaman. Parakletos, amen. Yahweh, amen. Amen, so be it, you are praiseworthy. So Daniel, Hananiah, Ansariah, Michelle, they were all taken into captivity in Babylon. But the Lord blessed their walk as he did with Joseph. Those things that are evil, meant for evil, God uses for good purpose. And it is a good, beautiful thing. And we need to have faith in that. It is a good, God controls all things. We have to remember that he is sovereign. These politicians, the elected officials that think they're in charge, we can let them think that. And we can allow that. We just have to have faith in God. But in allowing that doesn't mean that we have to follow after it and all these things. You get to do that. You walk down a, walk down a slippery sliding slope. So we just don't need to be afraid or fearful of them. So, in reading about Joseph and what Joseph actually describes, we can find that. That's one of the scriptures. We can go back. This is when his brothers had sold him into bondage and he ended up going in that route. But if we remember correctly... We go back to the scripture and we can see it. 
all things turned out well for Joseph. Why? Because Sovereign Lord God Almighty meant it to. He intended for good to come. And what purpose, you might say? Well, here's the purpose. There was a deadly, a deadly drought, famine, and because of the glory of God and his sovereign rule and his decision and his plan, Joseph came in, and here's the other thing, then, then you have individuals and even those uh, that are claiming to be Christian. Well, then why did he do that? Why did he do Don't question God because, here's the bottom line and the truth, getting your knickers all twisted up, are you? Get it ready, because here I come. It's none of your business. Your business is to be about his business. You don't need to ask God why or he went that way. As I told you, those who are young in their Christian walk will ask why and have that ponderance. And those who have been walking with God longer, a mature Christian, the why is presented as a different way. Its tonation is different. Asking God, why, what are you trying to teach me, Father? They may present the word as why, but translates to what are you trying to show me? What steps do you want me to take, Father? And the younger Christians are just going to ask why because they're totally confused and they don't get it. They still need to learn the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Back to Joseph. Joseph, it was intended for him to be killed, sold into slavery and separated, but God twisted that around into a good thing where individuals will pervert and twist and malign and darken God twists and turns it and brings it to light. Joseph was placed in control of governmental issues and region issues for the nation of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. So when Pharaoh went boating on the Nile with his wife and family, Joseph was in charge. Oh, there were a whole lot of people that were uh, upset about this, but Pharaoh gave them the edict and said, hey, you will follow him as if he, as if I am speaking. Joseph is in charge because I say so. So Joseph brought Israel to Egypt and they resided in the land of Goshen. They were fed. There was plenty of water. There was all that they had. And why? Because Daniel interpreted a dream that Pharaoh was having and advised him through the Holy Spirit coming from God. Brothers and sisters, you're fearful of these politics and things that are going on in this nation. Why? The Bible says they are happening. And here's what Joseph said in Genesis 50, verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Jesus, thank you. Have Yahweh, Haman. So Joseph was saying, hey, 
this is this is in his revelation to the brothers, and his brothers were also frightened because they thought he was going to kill them. And that didn't come to pass, but it scared him. It scared him pretty good, and so it should have. But we also have to remember. That God walks with us. We are his. All these things were turned around. You know, and Joseph, if he had been a vengeful man, and if he had not been walking in the spirit of God, he probably would have had their heads whacked off. But that was not the intent and purpose. The intent and purpose was to be able to save the nation of Israel because God made promises to Abraham, Jacob, Isaac. And he is truthful. His truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom, his sovereignty, his power, his might, his glory, all these things. And remember this too, when you have those individuals that try to <clears throat> establish this like that pervert did with John 3.16, didn't read the whole passage, said John 3.16 <clears throat> through 21. It talks about the choice, the choice that they choose not to believe. It isn't that God says, if you don't believe in my only begotten son, I'm going to send you to hell. There's nowhere in the Bible does it say that. No, it doesn't say that in John 3.16. What it does say is if you choose not to believe, then you condemn yourselves. God's not condemning you. You have made that choice not to believe that Jesus Christ came as the only begotten Son, sacrificial Lamb of God, and you choose not to have faith in the sovereign Lord God Almighty, can't be seen, but and you choose not to believe. But here's the thing, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. I have heard these self-proclaimed Christians, well, it's very hard because I can't see God. He doesn't talk to me. The Holy Spirit doesn't talk to me. It's very difficult. I don't know if I can keep doing this well. That's because you keep griping about not seeing God and not hearing God because you're expecting God to speak to you in this loud, blooming, thunderous voice. But you have to listen for the still small voice, just like he told Elijah to do. And this is an illustration that we need to follow because God is showing us this picture. It's a verbal painting, a verbal, um, oh, what do they call that? I can't remember the word now, but diorama. It's a, it's a verbal description and you have to just remember that. As he took him up on Mount Hebron, which is, he, which is where he was directed to go, and he, told, and he was hiding in a cave because he was scared to death because uh, Jezebel had said that she's going to do to him what he and his followers did to her false prophets and teachers. And so he took off at a gallop and he was directed to go to Mount Hebron. Hebron, he went up there and he was hiding in a cave and God came and talked to him and said, why are you in this cave? I had conversation with him. And he said, go up on the face of the mountain. And he went out there. And what did he find? 
thunderstorm, lightning striking trees and knocking them over, hitting the ground and boulders flying. There was a great earthquake and the ground shook and the rocks rolled and there was such a powerful wind that it was blowing stones and, and blowing them down the mountain. Such a mighty wind and, and the rain and storm and torrential rainfall coming down. And then he told him to go back in the cave. Elijah was pondering. He said, I can't hear the voice of God. I can't hear him. There's so much going on. And then he sent him back into the cave to shelter him from all that that was happening. And it was quiet. And then he heard it. What did he hear? That still, small voice that came to him and said, Elijah, Elijah, don't be afraid. I am with you. I am Lord God Almighty. Hush him, you Lord thy God, sovereign. And he's talking to him, but he's talking to him in a still, small voice. Now, John writes in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ that he speaks at times with a loud thunderous voice. And when he heard God talking, speaking from his throne, that it sounded like uh, the voice of many waters or uh, many waters. He's talking about a waterfall. It's just thunderous and loud. If you've ever been next to a great waterfall like Niagara Falls or uh, hiking through the mountains, I was near one and it, it's pretty loud. It didn't seem like a, wow. And the, the sound is tremendous. Well, God doesn't come to us that way. I believe there's a purpose. I mean, he can. And there probably are times when he did. And still may. But I believe the reason he speaks in that still small voice is because he wants us to lean into him and listen to what he's saying. To lean in. To be close to him. There is a purpose for everything that God does. But here's the important thing too. Our adoption letter, 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, anointed of God, Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, we have to remember these things, but two here. Here's some things in, in, in this passage to continuing, and I'm going to go to uh, Romans 8, verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit of the things, after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So what Paul's talking about is that if you think of these things constantly, that's where you're going to be. And remember, I shared this with you too, that as a man thinks, so shall he speak. So if you're constantly pondering your neighbor and how much you don't like him, you know that it's going to come out. It's going to come out of that spew hole that's on the front of your face that gets all cussy. So, you know, as I said, that the individual is claiming to be a Christian, but yet when starts talking about politics, oh man, the spewage that comes out, that's like an effluent opening of, of uh, 
sewage and then tries to excuse the language as if it's something trivial. Oh, pardon my French. Oh, pardon my French. It's like when you're using the name of God in vain. And it's not using, you know, people misunderstand that. They think that's uh, using it like a cuss. Well, no, it's like, and I'm working more at being guarded against my doing that. It's like when they see something, they say, oh my God, did you see that? Well, <clears throat> that's a vain use of the name of God for something so trivial, even when it's in possible astonishment for something you see that, that, that God has done in nature. Some people see a breach of a whale on the ocean. They've never seen it before. And they're up closer. They're in a, a relatively small boat or they're in a, they're in a large boat, but because this whale is so grandiose in, in size that it dwarfs the boat and then comes throwing out there, oh my God, did you see that? Well, of course God saw it. He created it. But that's trivializing the name of God. When we do things like that, or when you say, and I've heard, uh, I've heard individuals, I've heard plumbers do it, and I've heard mechanics do it, and I've heard other people, uh, carpenters do it. When they slam that thumb with a hammer or they twist that, that, uh, that nut on the, on the plumbing fixture and the wrench slips and smacks their hand or they cut the back of a thumb, which I've done before, and then what comes out of that spew hole? <clears throat> the name of Jesus the anointing of God, and they, but they're using it in a vain way. They're using it as a curse rather than what it's meant for. We have to be guarded against those things because as we think, so shall we speak. We need to be thinking on the Lord. We need to be his grace, his mercy, his love, his kindness, and have that in our high minds. And that's what we need to be speaking of. <clears throat> Further, verse six, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is at enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So they, then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. For so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, anointed of God, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Wow. So the spirit of God is bestowed on us and that is what we need to practice showing out. Don't show off, show out. That thing that is in us. 
It is in us. He has imparted that to us. And that is what we need to be showing. And don't want to diss them. So I, and some I've seen their names and some I, I haven't. But I, it's more than just going out and bringing a carload of food. I mean, the folks need that and that's good. And clothes, but there's no guidance there. I mean, they come out and they do that. <clears throat> Pardon me. But they're not guard these. There, it it takes some guidance. If you're going to do something, you you have to kind of guide the steps because they've been without for so long and so often that garbage is strewn everywhere. Disrespectful. It looks kind of willy nilly and all. So. Take the time to kind of guide. I mean, that's what the Spirit of God does. A guide is, he is our guide. The Spirit of the Lord God Almighty is our guide, and it leads us and will lead us. And you have to remember that, that the wickedness that goes on in the world is there, and we were told about it. <clears throat> so this is why I'm not surprised at many of the things that, that I witness and I see. Why am I not? Because the Bible tells us that it will be that way. Jesus, the only begotten Son of the Lord God Almighty, Christ anointed of God to come for that purpose and come for us, to be here for us, to redeem us, to pay for all that we have done, and is given the opportunity to each and every one of us to have that redemption saving us. By his grace are we saved and not by anything that we do. Paul wrote it, lest we boast about it. We break, oh yeah, look what I was doing over here. I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. Look what I did, look what I did, look what I'm doing. It's not about that. The grace of God provided the salvation and his mercy allows us to continue walking in that. It's not by anything that we are doing. This that I'm doing here now is because of my salvation. It isn't for my salvation. There's a difference. I do this because I am saved by grace and because my Lord God has asked me, commanded me that this is something that he wants me to do. And I do it for the opportunity that all nations may hear the word. And this electric way electronic way to do it this podcast is his podcast that's why i took my name off of it my name used to be on there raven's nest anchored in the word and it used to be it some of you might remember seeing that years ago when i first started doing i've been doing this for a very long time but the spirit was like this isn't your and it wasn't it isn't mine it won't be mine and god provided this because he said yeah this is a good way for you to get my word out farther so it is the haven of truth because truth is a haven all the lies and turmoil it's like being on the face of the mountain mount hebron all that noise and thunder and lightning all the stuff that goes on around us in this world so haven of truth, it's peaceful. Sit back, listen to the word of God. 
Go and study the word of God. Seek the truth and it shall be found. Seek offense and ye shall surely find it. You're going to be sitting uncomfortably quite often. Your feet are going to be pinched because, as I've said, pardon me, my mom used to say this fairly often, that the shoe fits wear it. You know, this is because once in a while, us brothers, we'd be in that. But I didn't do that. I didn't say you did it. If the shoe fits, wear it. There is no accusation, no blame, but... and. There are those that hear things that are said and they get all jacked up about it and offended. They get their knickers in a twist and that means because they're uncomfortable. They're squirming in their seat constantly or they're constantly griping about the pinching of the toes. It's because the shoe that they put on their foot doesn't fit appropriately, but they're going to gripe about it anyway. If the shoe fits you, it's going to fit you comfortable and you're going to be able to walk in it. But because it doesn't fit, so the accusation you thought might have been toward you is that pinching shoe. It's not about you, so don't get agitated. Take it off and pitch it in the garbage. They that seek offense shall surely find the offense. You will find it. But we have to remember, we must remember, and this is, this is awesome. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Stop trying to figure stuff out. Stop trying to figure out what God's intention, what God's plan. That's not your job. You don't have that authority. Quit trying to usurp the sovereignty of the Lord God. Pay attention. Pray for the spirit. Lean not into your own understanding, which is exactly what the Pharisees did to our Lord Jesus Christ up to the time that they crucified him, they still didn't get it. And what did Jesus do anyway? He looked down at them and tears welled up in his beaten, broken body. And he leaned his head back and he looked up and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Just like when they were arguing with him. You're a liar, you're this, you're that. You wouldn't know the truth as the truth stands before you. But you don't speak the truth because you speak the language of your father, the devil. Oh, that really ticked him off. All those things got him all agitated, which is... But if you go through the course of the things, and and Jesus tells us that we will be hated for his name's sake. Continually, continuing the reading in verse six. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. And fill your belly. It's gonna make you stronger. But the followers, you talk about hated for his name's sake. You have 
You had Paul, and then you had John. They tried, oh my goodness gracious, let's talk about John. Why did he end up on Patmos? Because he couldn't kill the guy. They attempted many times, and it didn't work. They even got to the point where they were trying to boil him in oil. It didn't work. He didn't die. They threw their hands up in exasperation. So they put him on the island of Patmos, where they thought that he was alone. But John wasn't alone there because writing of the book of Revelation of Jesus, the anointed of God, Christ. That is going to go into a different thing, but I'm going to give you a preamble because I've shared a portion of this before. Revelation, to reveal, to show. And there are individuals, self-proclaimed Christians and individuals that, that say that they are, but they truly aren't, truth be told. The book of Revelation is not condemnation, doom and gloom. It's the revealing of Jesus Christ and the things that Jesus has said and the things that Jesus said back in the book of Matthew. If you go from Revelation, you go back into the book of Matthew and Luke and you go back in it, Jesus himself spoke of these things and now John is writing about them in the revealing of Jesus Christ, our Lord God, and the message to the churches to remind them that they need to be doing certain things. Because as in the book of Revelation, there are many churches that have done those very things. They've completely forgotten about God, completely forgotten about the love of God and doing his message. And what do they do? They preach on that thing that they are more in love with, and that's money. And there are many that do. And there's there are too. Let's flip that coin over and see the other side, though. There are many that... Oh, tithing, you're just taking my money. What am I going to give my money to? What am I giving it to the church for? They're not going to do anything except line their pockets with it. Well, excuse me, how do you think that you get that coffee in the morning that they offer to you that you don't pay for? How do you think that they provide the pastries and things that you don't pay for? How do you think that they have many of these dinners that they provide that you don't pay for? The electricity that the tithing and the offering that, that is the portion that continues so that you can get that the word of God to you free of charge. You're not charged a ticket to get in. And the tithing is the money that you have been given by God anyway. You think that it's all about you and the job that you're doing and the work that you're doing. By his grace, you're even breathing in the morning. By his mercy, you're continuing to walk through the day and earn that money and provide. So, you know, and I find myself, I have to get this to quench that feeling that I get in there and is by his will. Because I get agitated about my work and employment. There's things that I see, but that's not about what I am it's not what I am, it's, or it's not who I am, it's what I do. And I have to continue to do the right thing, to have integrity. And I have found that that's even a, a kick around word. <laughs> but integrity means doing the right thing. It doesn't matter who's watching or not watching. God is always watching. So be 
full of integrity because that's part of the Spirit of God. Not observing and doing by your own thought process or your own mind or what you see. Stop trying to figure so much out. This is where we get into these tussles and turmoils in our mind and where Satan likes to get you agitated and rattled and he sends his minions to do this stuff and then they come back and say, oh, it's working, it's working. And then, of course, he's so delighted. But what they didn't see is that that evil that he intended, God changes it to good. But they're too busy dancing and dining and in frivolity to be able to see. So he sends out another minion and comes back and says, Oh, Lord Satan, it didn't work. He accepted Jesus as his only begotten son of God and and he got saved. Oh, then of course, Satan stands up and kicks that little minion clear across the chamber. <laughs> He's mad. But here they have to do that because Satan is not omniscient. He is not, as so many believe, like God. He is not God-like. He is not as God. He's not omniscient. He can't know everything. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. And he's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere all the time. God can. God is. And God promises to be. Satan has minions working for him, and he manipulates those on our plane of existence to do his bidding and twisting their thoughts so that they think it's their idea. Don't get caught up in that. And when you try to figure things out with your own thought process, just like it says in Proverbs, when you do that, you get twisted. And this is what the prophecies did when they crucified Jesus. They were thinking with their mindset, with their thought process and what it was because they knew more than the word of God that was standing before him and speaking truth. Jesus said rightly, and it says rightly in the word of God, and that's for those who are self-proclaimed Christians who are figuring out and saying, well, God meant to say, or God meant this, or Jesus meant, no, if God meant that, he would have said that. So I say this to say that. They're figuring things out with their own mindset, following their mindset, but it's not their mindset. They're following the words of the devil and the minions that bring that message to them by trying to rewrite, redirect, and telling people what God is intending. God's intended one thing, and that is that we believe in his only begotten son to be saved and have faith in him so that we can go home and be heirs and join heirs with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of heaven. How powerful is that? What doom and gloom is that in the book of Revelation? Because the book of Revelation tells us that. In the book of Romans, it tells us that, that we are adopted into the family of God and that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus, anointed of God Christ, who came and sacrificed his life for our sake. We are that thing and invited to do so. So what is doom and gloom about that? 
I can't, I, I just can't get past them. I pray for them and it's hard. But when I hear them talk about doom and gloom and they don't read certain parts of the Bible because of this and that, it's the same thing the Pharisees did. You have the Sanhedrin, which are not the Sanhedrin, but the Sadducees that only read the first books, five books. Those are the scrolls of Moses and they stay held fat, tied fast to that, the law of Moses. Well, it's not the law of Moses because God brought that word to him and inscribed it on the tablets of stone with his own finger. And then he said, here, Moses, you deliver this to the nation. But now those individuals have twisted and turned it and said, this is a law of Moses. No, it's not. It's a law of God. Moses was the postal carrier. He was the postman. He was a Federal Express guy. He was a UPS guy. He was a DHL driver. They took that word and delivered it to the nation. It's not his law. The word of God, Jesus Christ, he is the law of Moses because that word was brought and came from him anyway. Don't twist it into your own mindset. Don't twist it into your thinking. Follow the spirit. The spirit will lead in truth. You are in my prayers on a daily basis that the spirit lead God Bless, protect.